thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your life. Welcome to Wellness Women Radio for the women with big dreams who dare to be different and who want to thrive in health, work and play. Dr. Ashley Bond and Dr. Andrea Huddleston bring you a weekly podcast to help you master true health and create an exceptional life. Hi there, lovely listeners. Thanks so much for tuning in this week to Wellness Women Radio. I'm Ashley. And I'm Andrea. And it's always a pleasure having you on board to uh, learn more, explore topics. And today is one of those topics where I don't know, I don't think many women would have sat around their cafe coffee tables having a chat over this kind of discussion, would they? Like, yeah, babe, I've got fishy odour coming from my vagina. Um, It's not really the kind of conversation starter, is it? Um, that's no, definitely not something that people would associate with that, you know, quote unquote civilized conversation. Um, but definitely something that needs to be discussed and, uh, something that a lot of women are not even aware of and may have had, or maybe suffering with, and maybe getting misdiagnosed or confusing it with something else. So today we're talking about bacterial vaginosis. We're going into, or for sake of ease, we'll just call it BV, um, just, you know, for convenience sake, uh, we're going to go into some of the lovely nitty-gritty things that our body does. Uh, but bear with us. You guys are so used to us uh, kind of going down that route anyway. So, yeah, you'll be fine. Look, um, and I think it's something that's so interesting because this is definitely one of those taboo topics um, in such a way that here I am a decade in practice, not something I've explored a whole lot in terms of um, awareness because I guess having not experienced it myself, I didn't learn enough about this when it came to uni. You just kind of glossed over it. And then all Mm -hmm. of a sudden I was reading going, what? This is something that like so many women are confronted with. It's just such a common thing. And then on the flip side as well is that it's, recurrence rate is over 50%. And I thought, my goodness, there are very few women's health conditions that have a recurrency of 50% or higher. So this really should be common mainstream conversation. We should be seeing it in newspapers. We should be seeing it in magazines. But I think mm. it just comes down to the fact that as soon as you say vaginal discharge, <laughs> like editors, check out, right? editors just run away yeah. from that, like, oh, that wouldn't be me. Or people, are too, I mean, ladies, you probably feel as as a lot of women feel that as soon as you have to discuss oh you know vaginal discharge it, it's an icky subject you don't you don't know who to talk to it's not the kind of conversation you really want to have with your girlfriend um you may even feel uncomfortable talking to your doctor about it which is unfortunate because that's something you really do need to talk about but um this is another way in which our body gives us signals and signs mm. when things are not okay so it's so it's such a tricky one because we've got to know what normal is to understand what abnormal is Mm, Yeah, definitely. Um, It's interesting because I've seen a bit of a a resurgence of it recently in practice. So many, many women um, are coming in, describing these symptoms, thinking that they have thrush um, or, you know, candida. And I'm like, "Mm, no, it doesn't sound like it. Um, So that's where we've sort of gone, okay, time to do some more testing, time to look at this a little bit closer. Because when women do have bacterial vaginosis, there's a very different picture that happens compared to some of the other um, types, say fungal overgrowth or those sorts of things that women might commonly experience. And the way you can differentiate bacterial vaginosis, which is a um, bacterial overgrowth in the vagina. Now, it's not a sexually transmitted infection. It is not an STI. So let's just um, squash that myth straight away. Um, 
We'll talk about some of the risk factors in a minute, but the things that you'll experience is, is changes in that normal vaginal discharge. And usually um, when women have something like, say, candida, they'll get like that really thick, white, very productive um, discharge that might look like oh, sort of it'll resemble cottage cheese type uh, I, I guess, picture. Do you understand what I'm saying, Ash? Um, oh, yeah, whereas, definitely. It's, it's yeah. a different texture. So this is, yeah. I mean, go back to other episodes where we've talked about this, particularly our menstrual cycle and understanding natural conception methods. Understanding normal cervical mucus and normal cervical discharge is really important because then you can identify early and quickly if something's changed, if there's an issue in regards to, for example, unprotected sex, risk of STI, risk of um, infection or pelvic inflammatory diseases, things that give you signals and symptoms because a lot of these uh, concerns don't show up until late stage. Yeah, so the sooner yeah. you pick it up, the better, because you can actually do something about it quickly, which is always the best approach with everything in health and well-being is to the sooner you see it, the sooner you action it, um, the better the outcome long term. So this is a tricky mm. one because you're right. It's, it's you know, you, the difference between cottage cheese discharge that you'd see in something like the thrush or the candida overgrowth, this is not the same at all. No, it's different, and it usually will range from it may be that white or an off-white colour, but it's um, it's typically grey as well, and it's typically more watery, and it will adhere to the vaginal walls as well, which is why it may be more prevalent, or you may notice more of it um, after intercourse too. Now that differs from what our normal, um, you know, cervical mucus or, or vaginal discharge might be, which is you know depending on the time of the month that you might be seeing it as well around, you know, the time you're ovulating, it should be almost like a clear jelly-like, um, almost egg-white consistency discharge that won't necessarily have a smell. Um, and then other times of the month, it might be more dry, thicker white um, discharge that almost resembles clad glue type <laughs> consistency. But again, it's not uncomfortable. It shouldn't be itchy. Um it shouldn't have a really foul, potent smell um, or, or anything along those lines. So, for example, if you're noticing a change in the consistency and the odour that you're that you're used to, or maybe your partner has, you know, mentioned something to you like, mm, "Is this is this normal for you?" or something's a little bit different, then that's something to take seriously as well and go, "Okay, what's going on down there?" Now, the smell that women usually associate with BV is usually like a very musty, foul-smelling odour and it has that like vinegary or fishy smell as well. So it sounds just delightful, but um, you will definitely notice it more um, obviously after intercourse as well because of the fact that um, the discharge sticks to the vaginal lining and that's why, um, you know, obviously when it changes, you'll get that. Um, some women will say that they notice like it's like a clumping of the discharge. It could be creamy or frothing as well. Um, so keep an eye out for those sorts of things. And you may also notice a change in your urine too. So it may be a lot more cloudy than what you're used to. Um, and this is why we have to so, differentiate between things like uh, urinary tract infections, STIs, gonorrhea, chlamydia. There's important reasons why you culture um, cervical mucus or discharge definitely. so that you understand what you're dealing with. Um, ladies, this is an interesting one too because I know that in my space of 
trying to do better for the earth, recycled toilet paper is a fantastic option. Now, what I found was that recycled toilet paper makes it harder to observe your discharge or to observe your mucus um, because you don't get colour interpretation I've experienced with recycled toilet paper. So it's really mm. funny because this is one thing where fresh white toilet paper can really help with um, observing because you mentioned that that greyish whitish thing. Now, if you don't know what greyish white looks like because you're always using recycled toilet paper, it may not look any different to normal. It's isn't that um yeah just, that's a good point I yeah. Think that. yeah no, i just had a chat with someone one day and i remember thinking yeah you really can't see it as well on uh, recycled toilet paper so not saying you should switch from <laughs> if you're using recycled into going bleach white again but you can just see now you need to be more observant and more aware it's just one of those little kind of case mm. study catches to to be mindful of yeah, and women might also talk about um, they may get a bit of pain or discomfort when they're passing urine, which is why, you know, it could be potentially mimicking UTIs. They may have pain during showering, um, during and after sex as well. So because of the irritation of the area, the skin might look and feel a little bit irritated and might be a bit more sensitive too. So that is the, I guess, signs and symptoms to look for. So let's talk about the risk factors now. So what might put you at a little bit more of, um, you know, a higher risk of developing BV. Um, and like we said before, this is not an STI. If you go onto, um, you know, the center of disease control websites or, or any of those sorts of things, and you Google bacterial vaginosis, they will say things like having multiple partners, having, um, you know, lots of sex, those sorts of things increases your risk for this condition. And yes, that's certainly true. But at the same time, I feel like that is putting women into a box and being like, well, you know, you should just be <laughs> waiting to be married and um, making women feel very guilty for their sexual choices and their sexual freedom as well, which you absolutely should not be feeling like that at all. Um, yes, that can increase your risk, but there's so many other things that can increase your risk for this as well. Oh, and because one there's of those, so many studies showing that women with non-penile interaction are still experiencing this. So that yeah. doesn't make any sense at all if it's purely scientific and says, that there's an STI component, then women who've never had sex could not possibly get this. And we know that's not true. Exactly. Absolutely. Uh, so anything that's going to change the pH of the vagina can increase your risk of this infection because it is a bacterial overgrowth. And the bacteria that's usually the culprit is, um, it's called guard Gardenella vagina, vaginalis, um, which is you, which can be another term that BV is usually um, called as well, and it's a gram-negative, like tiny little um, spore that lives naturally in the vagina, but it will kind of go out of kilter when there's changes in the environment. Uh, less commonly, it can be caused by things like E. coli and um, those sorts of things, but uh, the the Gardnerella uh, vaginalis is the most common culprit for this. Um, the uh, pH of the vagina is really, really important. So it usually is slightly less acidic in the range of like, you know, kind of 3.8 to 4, 4.2-ish. So when um, the pH changes and becomes more alkaline, this is the perfect environment for that um, that those bugs to really overgrow. So one of the biggest culprits or biggest risk factors for that is actually anything that will change the pH. So things like um, douching, um, 
or using any like laundry detergents or cleansers um, in in the vagina themselves is absolutely going to change that. Uh, soaps, uh, perfumes, dyes, chemicals, any of those sorts of things are absolutely going to make you more prone to infections in that area because it's a very sensitive region that has hundreds and thousands of really potent um, flora that's there for a reason. <laughs> Um, if you think about a baby when it comes through the birth canal and it's inoculated with the mother's vaginal flora, that is the initiation of its immune system as well. So remember that we need to keep the area as it's supposed to be and not try and chemically change that too. Um, I think sorry, it's Ash, do you want to? Yeah, just and ladies, remember that you don't need to clean the vagina. The vagina is self-cleaning. Um, obviously, st- being hygienic is important, such as wiping correctly and doing things well down there. But you don't need to wash it out and clean it. You know, so if you're trying to clean the vagina because you have a discharge like this, um, therein is a cyclic problem because the more you eliminate any good bacteria with the cleaning and the douching procedure, the more you're facilitating this overgrowth process. And as Andrew explained that, you know, we normally would have a, a higher level of lactobacilli bacteria in that region. And yet when they get out of balance, then you're going to get this overgrowth of these um, gram variable uh, cocobacilli and the anaerobic mm-hmm. organisms, um, even mycoplasmas as well, that it is that normally in the genital area will become overgrowth so it's interesting isn't it that it's clearly not an sti it's clearly involved with imbalances in ph and can be facilitated by the washing or cleaning could be hormonal changes it could be dietary components um, that can affect our body ph range you mentioned it goes becomes more alkaline that's interesting because think about what most detoxes are promoting aren't they they're trying to say let's create the body become more alkaline there are some areas in the body where alkalinity is a great thing for health and well-being. And there are other areas like the stomach, like the vagina, where having an increased acidity is so essential because mm. that is the natural pH range for that region of the body. So anytime you get confused or people trying to tell you, no, you know, you need to be alkaline in order to be healthy, um, just remember that some parts need to be alkaline and other parts, just like your vagina, don't need to be. So don't go washing it out with um, water and all these chemicals because that's certainly going to affect the uh, the area. Yeah, and look, there is also very conflicting research, um, of course, around the oral contraceptive pill and Mm. or any kind of hormonal birth control that is affecting the pH of your system. So some women have told me that their infection started after taking the pill. Um, There is also some research showing that it may have like an inverse relationship. So I think it will be dependent from woman to woman. Um, So it may vary. So just be aware if you have noticed a recurrence of these symptoms with some sort of hormonal changes or hormonal contraception, then that that's an important risk factor. And the copper IUD can also increase that too. Anything that you are putting in there as well is going to be an important thing to think about. So you might want to think about upgrading your like um, menstrual products. So things like, um, you know, tampons and pads, um, there is all sorts of different um, varieties that you can use. Some of them are chemical-based, some of them are not. Um, if you're using a menstrual cup, which I think is amazing, that's a really great environmentally friendly, um, you know, management system and also helps you to really get a good look at um, the blood and the discharge that you're experiencing every cycle. Um, it does take a little bit of getting used to, but I think that's a really, really awesome thing. Just make sure that you're cleaning things appropriately as well. So, you know, obviously high hygiene is super important. 
Um, and while we're on the topic of things that you are um, inserting, uh, I have, interestingly enough, a lot of women are using um, or have been telling me about things like um, yoni eggs, which are absolutely amazing, or using crystal wands and all of those sorts of things. And I am so super supportive of this. But remember, some of those materials are quite porous. So if you do have a bit of an infection or if there's something going on down there um, and you've been using um, the same product repeatedly, make sure you're cleaning it really, really well. Um, and also if it's a really porous product and you do have an infection, I would be throwing it out and getting a new one. Yeah. Um, and look, anything that just you as use, a thought, yeah, anything used for self-pleasure, it needs to be considered, um, needs to be sterile, doesn't it? We need to look at it in the same way you would with anything else you're looking after your health. Mm. I have to sterilize all my baby bottles right now. So, you know, like it's, you're becoming so mindful of what's so important, isn't it? And yet there's also other areas in which we, I guess it, almost ignore our health needs. We don't actually think, oh, it's not such a big deal. But when it comes to sexual health and um, particularly in the region of your vagina and anus, you do need to look after it uh, with sensible and hygienic practices. So ladies, please just consider all your little uh, toys and things that you're using that you are looking at those two as sources of reinfection. I think that's the key there because mm. remember we said 50% recurrence rate, um, which means that there's possibly a pathway or a reason in which that recurrence occurs is initiated so it could be toys it could be interaction with your partner which in some studies have shown is possible and other studies yeah. says it's not so it's not a completely ruled out scenario just yet um there was a study done with men who were uh circumcised versus uncircumcised and the uncircumcised men showed that their partners had higher recurrence rates which is interesting they suggest mm. that sitting around the urethra or the tip of the penis or under the foreskin um there could be the microbes anaerobic bacteria that then reinfect the females. So interesting. Yeah. Oh, that's super interesting. Um, yeah. So that was a good just... study because that's trying to tell, you know, is it in fact an STI? And it's again showing, well, if not every male passes it on, then no, it's not essentially the criteria for an STI. However, no, your partner can influence reinfection. And and that is certainly true for candida and those sorts of things as well. So it's yeah. it's definitely not an STI. Um, interestingly enough, and look, I don't have any um certainly peer reviewed studies to back this up, but I do have anecdotal evidence from speaking with patients that they tend to find an increase of these symptoms or this infection when there's something that is not quite sitting well with them in terms of their intimacy. So mm. whether or not it's a partner that they're kind of sitting on the fence about, whether or not that maybe their inner guidance system is telling them that they're not being fulfilled, um, you know, in that intimate space or whatever it might be. But this can absolutely occur when your immune system is compromised. So this will be one of the strategies that we talk about. But is there something within your own internal intuition or inner guidance system that is telling you that something is off with this interaction with this partner? Um, so just something to think about, ladies. I'm not telling you to all go and, um, <laughs> you know, break up with your, your loved ones uh, just over a BV infection, but something to consider about how you're feeling about yourself in that intimate space. Um, I think it's really, really good to tune in and, you know, just observe that, that inner guidance that we all have. Okay. So ladies, those are your risk factors for BV. Yeah. I think it's important too, before we pass on uh, to, I guess, what you can be doing for this, just understand that not only are the risk factors on how you can contract BV, but also that if you go um, along for a period of time with undiagnosed or untreated BV, then there's actually some 
further health risks, not just for yourself, but potentially your child if you were to have mm. a baby. So it plays a significant role as a risk factor for a various number of health problems. But what has been shown in studies includes preterm birth, spontaneous abortion, enhanced transmission of sexually transmittable infections, so your STIs, and study out of Africa included human or HIV. So that's interesting. Yeah. We haven't got the specific pathways of that, but yeah. I think what it's saying is that by altering the pH and by altering the mucous membrane of the vagina, you increase the risk of contracting further infections. Why? Because that's your natural immune defense barrier right there, isn't it? It's our natural way in which we prevent. So yeah. your natural pH there should kill and destroy anything that you may come in contact with. But if it's damaged in some way, or if it's, a, it's compromised in some way, then it can be concurrent with other infections as well. So if you've got one infection, it's always important to look for a secondary infection as well. Yeah, we definitely used to think that BV was considered very benign, um, mm. whereas more recently we figured out that there's definitely an association with the things that you've talked about, but very importantly, pelvic inflammatory disease. Yes. Um, so PID is a serious condition. It needs to be taken seriously. It can definitely affect future fertility. Um, can increase your risk of a whole uh, bunch of other gynecological conditions and complications. So if you do or if you have experienced these symptoms, it might be worth just getting checked. If you do go to your GP, which we absolutely encourage you to do just to make sure that you're getting a correct diagnosis. And then the treatment options are absolutely up to you. This is all about informed choice, right? Mm. So if you do go to your doctor, they'll usually do like vaginal swabs. They might do a urine test and a blood test. So they're trying to differentiate a few things and make sure that they're ruling out anything else. Um, I know some GPs or some doctors would do whiff tests of the, the discharge itself, um, which is exactly as it sounds. Um, so don't be surprised if that also happens. But most commonly they will do um you know swabs and urine and blood tests yeah the um, whiff test for ladies listening it, it is what it sounds they do have to smell yeah. it. but what they're looking for is what they call a positive amine test um, which is the fishy odor that comes when they add a little drop of hydro uh, potassium hydroxide to it and yeah. so it increases the um the odor and they'll just see if it's giving off a fishy presence and that's um one of the criteria that they use which in something called the ansel method is a four point criteria so that is one of them the discharge is another they'll do a, possibly a ph strip on the discharge so that they yep. can check to see the ph um, if it's over 4.5 then that's again another positive criteria and um, sometimes they'll take a swab and they'll do a cultural and cell assessment under microscope and that um, there if they find a presence of something called a clue cell then that's also a positive and that would be a four point criteria that would then warrant I guess, treatment. And that would be something that uh, if you're getting treated for thrush, for example, and it's recurring and this is not the, the solution has not been found with standard thrush treatment, then this is the thing that needs to be considered. Yeah, definitely. And typically, um, and medically speaking, they will usually prescribe antibiotics. Um, the typical antibiotics is usually something like flagyl or metronide dissolve oh my gosh my words today um so <laughs> things along those lines um they can be taken orally they can be used as creams there may be some sort of topical creams or gels that they'll give you they may recommend a suppository as well um and usually the lifestyle recommendations for this is you know avoid any of the irritants don't use any of the the douching products um don't use soaps or irritants um and make sure that you're not shaving the area at the time as well just to um stop any kind of reinfection and they certainly recommend a avoiding, um, you know, any kind of sexual intercourse during that time. 
Um, so that is medically speaking, the, the usual treatment options. Now, we are always concerned about uh, antibiotic use unnecessarily. So, and because of also the rate of um, recurrence of this condition. And when we're using antibiotics, we're then increasing the risk of other kind of fungal infections and those sorts of things that can then take over too. So I don't think there's a perfect solution here. This is definitely something to be speaking to your doctor about, but there are plenty of things that you can do to decrease your risk factors and maybe some potential other um you know, solutions that you might want to look into as well. So to help to rebalance the flora, really good specific probiotics is a great idea. There's even um, vaginal suppositories that you can use that are um, probiotic based too. Um, if you want more information about this, contact us and we'll help to point you in the right direction. Um, I love the idea of even using something like coconut oil uh, topically and internally too. So coconut oil contains lauric acid, which is similar to the antifungal, antiparasitic, antibacterial, or, you know, for lack of a better word, antimicrobial properties that's found in breast milk as well. Um, and that's why they use coconut oil for a whole bunch of different reasons. But using it topically and internally is absolutely safe. I would definitely suggest using an organic version um, and, you know, certainly don't be heating it or anything like that um, and make sure that you're keeping the materials that you use with it, you know, away from maybe the stuff that you're using in the kitchen and those sorts of things. Yeah. Um, upgrading your immune system is a really great idea because remember this usually happens when we're a little bit run down so anything that's going to help to boost your immunity so making sure that you're eating a whole foods diet which is going to help with that ph level anyway um, making sure that you're getting enough sleep your stress levels are under control you're moving and exercising appropriately not too much not too little all of these timeless health principles that we've talked about you know at nauseum are going to help to upgrade your immune system that will be beneficial in these instances as well yeah look i think the key is here that um there's a cochrane review that said that there is for quote no sound scientific basis exists for recommending any particular treatment so that includes the antibiotics. so you know when there's a cochrane review that says that then you know that we're kind of in a gray zone gray area and which that essentially <laughs> and it's <laughs> no pun there sorry oh. <laughs> I'm the queen of puns, hey? Like, yeah, we're talking grey vaginal discharge and I'm saying yeah, grey yeah. zones. Yes, no, it's, I think the key here is just to remember that what we need to understand is we need to improve the regime in which we approach this. So if you have tried one thing, then you need to do possibly a full circle and try another course of action. Don't keep persisting with the same thing over and over if it is unsuccessful um, and be thorough and meticulous in the treatment protocol. Otherwise, you may find that you're getting this reinfection just simply based on something simple and it could be a hygiene reason alone that uh, is causing a reinfection. Mm, yep, absolutely. Um, so ladies, there's also a few other things that you might want to look into. Um, neem oil, N-double-E-M, has been used um, for these sorts of purposes. Uh, look, I can't tell you exactly in what method or um, how they exactly use it, but that might be something that you want to look into a little bit more. Um, and if this is something that you've had recurrence many, many times, I would certainly suggest working with your functional practitioner to make sure that you're on the right track and you're supporting your immune system system really, really well, so that hopefully this will decrease um, the, the risk of it happening again. And there may be things that you've overlooked too that we've just um, mentioned that you can start to, um, you know, upgrade all of those systems. 
All right, ladies. Well, look, if this is something you feel embarrassed about, don't be. If you feel ashamed by it, don't be. It's not because you're dirty and unclean, which is, you know, the common. No, it's the common stigma, isn't it? If, if someone has an odor or um, in particularly, you know, in their pants, it makes you people think, oh, they don't wash, they don't clean. It's not true. It's about looking at some practical ways to help you because regaining confidence. If you don't feel confident in your areas of, you know, genital health, then guess where you don't feel confident in so many other areas of your life. So, um, please address this, please do something about it because I know that if you can approach this well and create a conclusive solution for you, then you're going to feel so much better and, uh, and happier and your whole wellbeing approach will be enhanced just by removing something that's sort of underlying taking away your confidence. Mm, yeah, well said. I think that's a great point to end on. Um, so ladies, if you want some more details on this, you can absolutely contact us and there's all sorts of very discreet ways you can do that. So you can certainly send us personal messages through the Facebook, which is facebook.com forward slash the wellness women. Um, you can contact us, you know, obviously on our email, let's go to the wellnesswomen.com.au. We would love to hear from you. And you know what, if you have had some sort of groundbreaking change with bacterial vaginosis and you want to tell us about it, then feel free to communicate it with us through those social channels. Make sure you've subscribed to us on iTunes. Give us a five-star rating because we love that. Um, and that uh, subscribing on iTunes means that you will just get us in uh, your download list every Tuesday. Uh, but until next week, ladies, be well. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.